Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is Debbie G of Spirituality Gone Wild. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Now, I don't know about you guys, but where I am right now here in Connecticut, we are experiencing absolutely picture-perfect weather. I mean, it is gorgeous out. Temps in the upper 60s, little little puffy white clouds, blue sky. I mean, this is like, this is absolute dreamland. So hopefully, wherever you are in the world, you're having weather, something like this, because if you are, you're having a great day. I can tell you that I am. And we're having an especially good day because Debbie and I are welcoming Gina Clark, to the microphone today and and Gina has a really interesting specialty. She helps people be creative. I mean, if you're going to help people be something creative, sounds like that'd be like at the top of the list. So we're going to learn more about that and uh, find out exactly how she helps out. But Gina, thank you for joining us on the program today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Great to have you. And uh, hello, Nasha. We're seeing a couple people popping into the, uh, the live stream. Um, so, Creativity. I mean, you're actually talking about like artwork and, you know, craft work, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, stuff that you do with your hands and, and stuff that you create out of physical stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I'd say that I take a broader, broader view of creativity, though. Um, I mean, it's not just uh, fine arts or crafting. It could be things like writing. It could be something like gardening. Um, but I think the key is exactly what you said. It's kind of, you know, using your hands and getting out of your head and into just making something. And how did this get started? Because I, I can't honestly say I've ever had anyone on the show who was a creativity coach. I love it. I love the idea of it, but <laughs> this is the first. So how did this get started? Well, honestly, I didn't know there was such a thing until a few years ago when I took the training for it. Um, I sort of came to my creativity a lot later in life, I guess. I, I don't know how to put it. I guess I, I just I wouldn't let myself do some of the things that I wanted to do. I always had all the excuses and everything else. You know, I was too busy, didn't have the time. It's I'm too old. I can't start doing this stuff now. And um, I finally started letting myself just try to do some creative things in my day. And it just brought me so much joy and so much happiness. Um, it helped uh, with anxiety. I am diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, so that's something that I live with. And that was such a huge help. And um, I was just kind of in an internet rabbit hole one day and I came across creativity coaching. And I was like, wow, this is a thing. Like, I want to <laughs> learn more about this. So I, you know, I checked out uh, a few different people and and there was one woman in particular um her approach really spoke to me um and yeah I took the training and and here I am and she's been doing it for about 15 years or so oh, her wow. name's Jill Badonsky yeah, yeah so it's you know it's been around that's very cool I love that and creativity certainly I mean that we, we talk about vibration a lot um here on the show and you know, high vibration, low vibration, creativity. There's no way that I associate creativity with low vibration. Now, it is possible to do that. I mean, there are people who go out of their way to create really stuff that they don't like and don't feel good about. But we aren't going to get into that because what we're really talking about here is the stuff that makes you feel good. This Absolutely. is the stuff that, that lifts you up. And that's what we're all about here. So, I mean, give, give us like some of the uh, the things that you've learned over the years about well, first of all, how creativity does that for you and like, you know, hacks that you use, you know, tricks that you use to, to get yourself into the gear. Sure. 
Um, so I find for myself, and I think for many people, it's creativity is just so mindful. Um, you know, like I said before, it gets you out of your head. It gets you out of that, you know, that thought loop that sometimes we can fall into. So if we're talking about like vibration, <laughs> vibrational energy, I mean, that can really bring you down when you're just constantly going through the, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't feel like doing anything, whatever it is. Um, and I find that that just doing something with my hands and what I'm doing right now is is watercolor painting. Um, it just sort of breaks that that loop just instantly. So as soon as I sit down and I pick up the paintbrush and I just start playing around, um, it, it just changes the whole trajectory of my day. So if I was having, you know, something that I wasn't very happy about or something happened that was sort of stressful or trying, it, it's just a way of channeling that energy somewhere else instead of just like through myself over and over again. Um, and the thing with creativity coaching is that um, a lot of people find it really difficult to start being creative or to sort of embrace their creativity. Um, and it maybe sounds sort of um, funny to say that, but it's really, really very common. And I mean, I was the same way for years and years. That actually doesn't sound funny at all. It sounds like it would be normal mm -hmm. to me, to be perfectly honest, because I can see okay, how, good. especially if you're not used to being creative, mm -hmm. it could kind of be intimidating at first because, yes. I mean, we have all these preconceptions we build up over the years through what society teaches us and what our parents mm -hmm. taught us and what our teachers taught us and all this other stuff. And they can kind of, those preconceptions can get in the way. So you have to kind of, you know, work through all that, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, um, I, I think, one thing that I like to uh, teach people and talk to people about that I work with is all of these things that you're feeling. So whether you're feeling, you know, overwhelmed or like things have to be perfect or you want to create some sort of masterpiece, professional artists go through the same hurdles. The same feelings crop up for them. It's totally normal. Um, it's something that we all deal with. Um, but you just have to, you know, sit down five minutes, see what you can do, and don't worry about what the outcome is. Um, I'm really big on uh, teaching people to love the process, not not worry about the product. Um, and just whatever comes out on the other end, you know, it, you'll, you'll see what it is. Um, and if it's not what you would hope for, that's, that's okay. That's not what the purpose of the exercise was. It was to, you know, channel that creative energy. Um, and really get it moving. And I do think, I think it does, you know, raise your vibration huge, um, just the act of creating. So, yeah. Plus you're getting in I, touch with yourself, right? Yeah. I got to agree with that. I, I love that. I love creativity period though. Um, what would you, let's talk about creativity and that passion center because all creativity for me comes from my, it's from my, my, um, sacral chakra. It's from that passion part of me. It's when I'm tapped in. You've said a couple of things. So I'm going to talk about that. And the other thing that you said that I thought was awesome was how that you have the person let go of the process and start and enjoy the process versus worrying about it or what the outcome is going to be. But that's something that in life in general, if we can grab that concept, it seems to work really well. So thank you for bringing that up. I, I can see how you could easily incorporate your creativity into also how that we're functioning throughout our day. But what do you feel about the 
creativity, the passion centers, and and how that somebody can actually tap into that piece? Well, I I guess just to give you some background on me personally, I'm very sort of um, left-brained and type A, and I've sort of, you know, I was born into this world, I think, trying to um, control outcomes. Um, so that's probably why, you know, creativity oh, is that's really so scary great. to me. Yeah, we, have, we have no prior information about that uh, at all. No, yeah, no. You know, but you totally I, have to let go. And that's, that's really hard for a lot of people to do, including myself. Um, so I, I like to, I like to approach it from, um, you know, just look for happy accidents and happy surprises. Um, and, and don't try to control so much. And it, it's probably going to be a lot more pleasant for you. I mean, I'm somebody that I, I like to sort of make myself do things, but that's really not very nice to yourself. You know, um, you're kind of, you're kind of being a bit of a bully. I mean, I'm, I suppose there's a time to sort of push yourself into doing things, but I think with creativity, what I found is when I let go and I let go of the control and I let go of wanting to, um, control the process and how it unfolds and, and what it looks like. It's just so much more wonderful. It's so much kinder to myself. Um, my clients find it so much kinder. Um, and just to sort of listen to your intuition in terms of where you go next, how much you do when you stop, when it's time to take a break. Um, so yeah. And, and that's totally something I'm still developing in myself like <laughs> this is like this is a fight against <laughs> my natural instincts yeah. i think every i think everybody can resonate with that anybody else ever try to control anything i mean i know i haven't but <laughs> <laughs> i mean jeez just say it yeah okay. i think that's a normal thing but that's, at it least is today it is it's normal it may not always be normal in the future but right now i think it's very prevalent it's mm -hmm. it's all over well, I'm excited because this is one of, I love creativity. I, a friend of mine, Tanya Meeks, who you would be a great uh, collaborator with, has, she's a, a creative inspirer. So it's along the same lines, but hers is more of the, um, like theater and stuff. I love, but, but again, it's about that passion that burns inside each one of us and all of us have a passion. And I liken it to the, the things we used to do when we would play on the, when we would play as children, you know, and use our imagination, our creativity, how do we use that? And how, why do we forget to use that? What do you think? Absolutely. And um, that's something that um, I try, I, I, I'll have people, because sometimes people come to me and they want to be creative, but they don't know what to do or they don't know how to do it. Um, so they're really stuck because they're like, I don't know how to paint or I don't know how to do anything. And, but I know I just want to do something. Um, and one of the things that I will help them explore is what gave you that joy when you were a child. Think back to when you were a kid and what did you just pick up and do without, you know, thinking about it. It just brought you so much happiness, um, whether that's, you know, playing with Lego or drawing or, you know, doing the, the, when I was a kid, I used to make we used to make plays for my parents. Like we had these big elaborate productions. <laughs> that we, that's you know, what I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I did. And I was in the yeah. theater and then, you know, I would use, well, it's not a hairbrush. It's my dog's lint 
brush. Well, no, it's not my dog's lint brush. It's the lint brush I have to use because of my dog. Because <laughs> 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 the Foxy, well, she probably would think it was her own, but I would pretend it was a microphone. Uh, yes. I would. I interviewed people back with my pretend hairbrush microphone, and I've done it as an adult. I promise you. So I love I love that. And here's here's something funny. When I was young, I was like 25, and I was this person told me I was going to I had this huge creative spirit, and I was going to have all I was going to be creating things. And I'm thinking I can't something artistic, and I'm going. I don't have an artistic bone in my body. Now, I'm a musician. I've been in theater my whole life, but I don't have artistic. I can't draw a straight line, straight line. In my head, to be creative meant you had to be an artist. Now, we know that that's no longer true. In fact, I later became a graphic designer. So I still can't draw a straight line. I do it all on the computer. Just saying. That's, that's exactly the same story I told myself because I can't draw. Like, I cannot draw. I can't either. Yeah. And so I I was like, well, you know, I feel like I want to be creative, but I can't draw. So I guess that's not my thing. Like, I, I, but it just like that urge never went away, like for, you know, decades of my life. Um, and finally, I got to a point where I was like, okay, this is a bunch of baloney, like, you know, and, and we know it, right? Like, I, I mean, we, we look around and we see people doing all kinds of creative things that aren't you know, technically perfect drawings, but for some reason it's really hard for us to believe that these other things are possible and that they're real creative pursuits and that they're valid. Um, so I just, I think like on that note, I think that the internet's really helped with that, you know, huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like social media is like, you know, the internet has got its goods and its bads, but I think one of the great things about it is that it's really opened up these, doorways into worlds that people would never have been able to be exposed to um, depending where they are in the world. So I think think that that's really cool. One of my longtime co-hosts, Cindy Chavez loves to make a a point about uh, it it doesn't really matter where you're coming from with whatever creative thing you want to do. You mentioned drawing and that's something that she does a lot of. She says, "It, it doesn't matter if you don't know how to draw, get out a pad of paper with 365 blank pages in it. On day one, draw something. It'll look terrible. Don't worry about it. On day two, draw something else. On day three, draw something else. By the time you get to page 365, you'll know how to draw. Because you'll just get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit Mm -hmm. better. And by the end of the year, you'll look back and say, oh, my God, look what I learned to do. (laughs) Flip them them like this. Watch them go really fast. And then you're going to have like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that's where people get tripped up, too, because, I mean, it really is an incremental process, right? Um, it's just like anything else, but you, you look at, so here's maybe some of the downside of social media or the internet. You look at these people that are doing all of these things that you want to be doing and you, you love them. And then you, you know, whether it's put pen to paper or you start writing or whatever, and it just doesn't measure up and you know, it doesn't measure up. It's very discouraging. Um, but that's exactly it. You have to just, you know, it's all about persistence. It's and just keep going back, keep going back. Don't worry about the product. Keep doing it for the process. And after a year, like you'll be so amazed how far you've come. I and, think and it also, might, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you might not see it over that year, you know, as it's progressing because right. it is so incremental. But I mean, if you take a step back and look back 
from where you started, I, I think most people would be amazed. I agree. I, I was just going to say that I think it's also valuable to know what's motivating you to at least some extent know that because um, just to give you a little, a little story that my listeners know about, my brother gave me one of these electronic keyboards for Christmas uh, because I used to play uh, piano when I was very, very young and I kind of stopped and I kept intending to get back to it. I never got back to it. And I, I really would like to do that, but you know, I, I, the place we live in wasn't really big enough for a piano and then I kind of thought about, well, yeah, electronic. I mean, it's just a keyboard. You can fit that into almost any space. So, you know, maybe I should do that. And I thought about that for about five years and didn't do anything. And then my brother gave me the keyboard. And so I said, okay, well, I'll, I'm just going to start playing this thing. And, of course, it had been 50 years since I had actually played the keys and nothing felt right. And it all felt wrong. I would tell my hands to do something and they wouldn't do it. <laughs> it was just, it was not a pleasant thing. But, and this is the big part. An amazing thing happened, even though I couldn't play anything. I, I couldn't play a single song. I couldn't play a single melody. I couldn't play classical. I couldn't play anything. Just doing fingering, just playing, you know, scales, just kind of re reintroducing myself to the keys for the first time in 50 years, I found my stress disappearing. Mm -hmm. and, and really, here's the really odd part about it, because when I quit piano, I was about 13 years old. 14, something like that. And the reason I quit was because I had two piano teachers. The second piano teacher was kind of trying to turn me into a concert pianist and I didn't want to be a concert pianist. So she was like drilling me on, you know, do the scales and do all the exercises to get more dexterous and all that kind of thing. I didn't want to do all that. I just wanted to play tunes. So she kind of burned me out in a sense. Well, I went back to doing those because, well, first of all, I had a book of that so I could actually, you know, remind myself how to read. And second of all, I could kind of, those are their patterns. So you just kind of learn to do a pattern over and over again. I found I was enjoying it. I said, why am I enjoying it? I used to hate this. And I finally realized what it was. It was releasing stress, stress that I didn't have when I was 13 years old, but I had now. Mm -hmm. And boy, oh boy, did that make it. I mean, literally I, I, I have sat down sometimes only for five minutes a day, but I've sat down every single day to that keyboard since I got it. And I've, I've just loved getting rid of that stress. Plus actually, I'm actually remembering some of it, which is also good too. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the beautiful thing. It is. Right. Thing. Yeah. It, and that's, I mean, you make a great point there um, because a lot of these things we did like to do as children, right. um, you know, even if we got to the point where we didn't like to do them anymore, as most 13 year olds, you know, kind of tend to wander from that type of stuff when they hit that age, but um, you're not doing it to relieve stress then, but it, but, you're, you're doing it because it feels good. Um, and going back to those things can make you feel good again in a way that yeah. you haven't felt since you were young. And that, that's exactly where I was when I started, um, doing things again. Um, in my case, it was more, you know, I had, I had three kids. I was just like busy mom, didn't have time for anything felt exhausted all the time, never had time for myself. But before I had kids, I really liked to take pictures. Um, uh -huh. And I would do, I would carry a camera around with me everywhere and snap pictures. And then yeah. it just became such a hassle and a burden. And I just, I, it, it was exhausting to think about trying to go back to doing that when my, my children were really small. Um And yeah, once, you know, once the smartphone cameras really got a lot better, <laughs> 
I was like, I'm going to start taking pictures again because yeah. it's easy. I don't care if it's not like a DSLR. I, I, I'm okay with doing it with this little camera and it brought so much joy back into my life. And it was a huge stress reliever. Um, and I wasn't doing it to relieve stress when I started taking pictures. I just had so much time on my hands (laughs) when I was younger. So I really, it's amazing. I love this. Okay. First off, Walt, I totally understand. I was playing guitar from like five. And I remember when I, when I had to perform on demand, I wasn't as much fun. So I totally do. But then photography, I had the, the Polaroid cameras. Like back in the day, everybody, there was this thing called a Polaroid, Polaroid camera, and you would get an Insta picture to come <laughs> out of it. And it was super cool. Look it up. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the smartphone put it out of business, but that's another story. <laughs> smartphones, yeah, and, and smartphones are, you know, it would be kind of fun if they had like Insta little pictures come out. That would be cute. Yeah. Anyway, I just love that you brought that up because photography is another one that I just think is so much fun. It's just so fun to, to, to look through, look through the, to look through, uh, the lens and see what it is you see and be able to capture that, that you're seeing and have other people look at that and go, I, I just shot the same picture. How did you see that? And I got this and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's, but it's that ability to be able to tap in. But being able to, but being able to tap in. So how do you help people through a pro, what's your process of helping people tap in to their passion or their, their thing? And Neil, I'm really digging that hat. My God. <laughs> Neil positivity has just jumped in here. Hey, Neil, how are you doing? Hey, hey, Debbie and Walt. Hey, Gina. It's nice hey. to meet you. Nice um, to meet you. I just want to, I just want to step in real quick. Um, I can't really talk. I'm, in, I'm out in the middle of the woods, but Walt, Debbie, you're going to love this. I've been focusing on a specific property and this property has a grass runway, a lot of land and an airport hangar <laughs> with a bunch of small planes in it. Okay. And well, let me see if I can. Oh, I hope he has a signal to camera. To us. We've got the airport off car and this is the exact that plane, that helicopter's back there, and there's a runway right there. Whole bunch of land, lots of people, <laughs> just absolutely amazing. Now, obviously, I haven't manifested this for me yet, but for me to be focusing specifically on this and then to end up here this weekend, absolutely insane. I'm here for the weekend. Everything goes. You could shoot guns, barbecue, drink, just have fun. <laughs> And that's what I will be doing. And the whole time I'll be here, I'll be visualizing and picturing it as though it's mine. And that's how you have to do it. That's why we do this show. Get into these situations. So now when I go home and do my mental exercises, they'll be able to be so much more thorough because I have physical experience with this. So try to get that, you guys. Anything you can get that can physically have you in it. Like, I, you know, I talk about putting my toes in the sand at a beach. Uh, at the sand in the park to visualize being at a beach. This is it. So while you're in these situations, just stop, take it in, breathe, and make sure you use that for the future. But I, I don't want to take too much. Oop, just lost. But that that was significant, Gina, because Neo is big at the paramotoring. 
he, I mean, he's, oh, he's yeah. got a pilot's license too, but he's yeah. into the paramotoring. So to, to find that property with the grass airstrip like that, that that's huge for him. That's a really big manifestation that he's on his way to creating there. Oh, cool. oh here he comes. He's kind of trying to pop back in here. It's way exciting. I'm actually, I, Just I, I, reception is, reception is the only bad thing about the farms and stuff like that. Yeah. But that's okay. it. Thank you guys. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I will see you next week. Okay. And Gina. Alrighty. We'll, we'll see. You talks. rock, Neo. That's Larry. <laughs> that was very spotty service he had there. <laughs> I am loving this conversation, and I want to listen. I'm going to continue to listen from behind the scenes. I'm. It's getting a little tough for me to sit here still. So, uh, for all right, of you, well, listen. I just had surgery, everybody. And, she's and in it's good recovery. And that's the main thing. She's in I'm recovery in, mode. Great recovery. Now I'm really going to be excited to hear all about how Gina helps people tap into that passion and helps them to find that thing. Because there's some people like me who seriously didn't think because I couldn't draw in you too, Gina. I like you. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) You just got the Debbie G seal of approval, Gina. That's pretty good. (laughs) All right. You're awesome. But I am going to be here. I'm going to be listening. I'll just be, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be offering too much to the show, so I may as well just kick it and listen. But I'm excited to hear more. That's right. Well, we're glad that you were able to make it for the time you did make it. Keep healing up there, girl. We're all praying I for am. you. We're all putting out the energy for you. You'll be there. I'm soon. headed to the doctor. So at right right at two when this is over. I'm in Huntington Beach, so California. So it's only two. But keep doing what you're doing, Gina. I'm really inspired. The, the fact that you are just doing this, helping people tap into that inner peace that they really need to get out is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely true. I, and I, I have to say that this whole concept of talking about creativity is a big deal. It's a very big deal. I mentioned earlier, you know, the experience that I've been having with the, with the keyboard and the Yes, it, it, it's a process of reacclimating myself as something I used to do 50 years ago. And it's actually coming back over time. I've been doing it now for, well, let's see, I got the keyboard in early January. Um, we're now in, in mid-March, so two, two and a quarter, two and a half months, something like that. And in that time, I've actually gotten a lot of my touch back, which is pretty cool. I like that. Um, can I play a piece all the way through? Well, kind of, sort of, <laughs> not quite yet. But that's not really the, the important part. The important part is, just the activity of playing the keys, putting the notes together, putting the chords together, reminding myself, first of all, how it works. But then, it, you know, it starts to come back and I, I start to remember stuff that I used to know. I've actually, in some ways, I've kind of advanced beyond where I was before. But that whole process of, of reacclimation has has produced creativity that doesn't really fit the old categories of creativity. I think that's what I'm trying to get to, that... It, it, it isn't so much that I'm, I'm writing new music. I plan to do that at some point. I'm not really there yet. It's not that I'm, I'm creating something that nobody's ever heard before, but it's coming out of my fingers and it's coming out of my heart and it's coming out of my body. You know, mm-hmm. and, and there is something about that that not only releases stress, not only creates joy, but it, it creates life. It, it's like an expression of life and, and through the expression, the life grows. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking Absolutely. about? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that you're saying this. Um, one of the big reasons that I really wanted to, you know, go deeper into creativity and really help more people um, 
tune into it is because I really, really believe that if we had more people in this world who could tap into that place, like we would be a much better planet. We would be much better off as humans if everyone was able to tap into that part of them where they're being creative in whatever way that is for them. Um, and exactly as you say, that doesn't mean that you you have to be creating, you know, something original or again, a masterpiece or, you know, the next great novel or anything like that. It, it's just the act of, you know, putting things together in, in whatever way um, your creative pastime allows you to, that is, that's where the magic is. That's really where the magic is. And I think yeah. it, it just, um, it, the thing about creativity too, is it's something that's very internal and it's all yours. And there's very few things in the world that, you know, are like that. We, we yeah. do so much. We do so much of what we do, you know, for others, with others, because of others. Um, and creativity is one of those things that I, I mean, I, I really think it's like, it's an expression of your soul. Um, and what's more beautiful than that? And if Very we could true. all get in touch with that, uh, I, I just think that we could elevate, you know, the whole vibration of the planet if we had everybody who was tuning into that. Right. Well, exactly. That's the whole point. And the fact is yeah. that we, I mean, we, this is a topic we talk about a lot. We talk about what does it take to raise your own vibration and what does it take to go within? Because we live in an external society. Everything that yeah. we do, we try, we try to fix things externally. We try to make things happen externally. Everything becomes external. And yet we also know through the topics we talk about here that the, our real power is internal. Mm -hmm. And so this is a, a, this is really like an ongoing exercise in, in reconnecting back inside with, you know, what, where is my internal power and how can I feel it? How can I express it? How can I touch it? And how can I play with it and learn how, how powerful it really is? Well, a great way to do that is by being creative in whatever way you can be creative because that requires going inside. You can't create externally. I mean, yeah. well, you can in a sense with like a paintbrush or whatever, but even that's happening internally. It's, I mean, the, the person who's looking at it can see you that you're doing it on a canvas, but what you, the person doing the painting is doing, they're, they're not doing it on the canvas. They're doing it inside. And the canvas is the expression of what's going on inside. So it's like the ultimate way to, to tap into who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back to um, the question of how do I help people tap into that? Um, it's really, it's really very individual. I mean, there's a framework that I work with him. Um, it's called Kaizen Muse, um, the, the framework, but it's very important that each person I work with, the sessions are all about them. They're led by them. The people who I'm working with know what it is that they need. They don't mm -hmm. need me to tell them what they need. Right. I may, I may guide them, um, to figure that out for themselves, but it's really about me empowering them, uh, to be able to pull that creativity out of themselves and do it in a way that feels good for them. So um, we usually start by talking about what it is that they would like to be doing mm -hmm. that they're not and what's getting in their way. Um, and that can, you know, bring up a lot of very interesting things. Um, and I think sometimes people, as they start talking, um, they don't realize 
sort of the layers of things that hold them back until they start mm. expressing it out loud. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely some things that we can work on. I, I always ask people, you know, like, what do you think would work? Uh, what do you think the next best, best step is? It is really about, you know, giving their power back to them. They're not coming to me for me to say, well, here's a list of 10 things that I want you to do and come back next week and I'll see if you did them the right way. Um, it's not about that at all. It's about them um, really learning to trust themselves and to tap into their own power and really to be a little bit vulnerable and, and let themselves do things that maybe seem a little bit scary. And some of what I do is um, uh, some guided relaxation. So they're really like their visualizations um, uh, that are sort of tailored to what we've been talking about. So I'll, you know, create a visual visualization for, for my client. Um, you know, maybe they're feeling like their creative power has been taken away from them. So I'll create a visualization around them feeling that power coming back into them. Um, and it's just, it's so effective. It's so empowering. Um, and yeah, like when I did the training, I actually went through being coached as well. And it, it's just amazing. And it is, it's all right inside of you already. It's just sometimes we need help pulling it out. Yeah, that's true. I'm also curious about the name too, Kaizen Muse, because it contains the word muse, which is a word we associate with various creative endeavors, most mm -hmm. often, I suppose, with, with painting, but also other art forms as well. And the muse, yeah. I, I don't even know what the proper definition of a muse is, but I kind of associate, you know, there's a person who inspires the creator or the artist and that person becomes the, the, the source of all of their, oh, this is what I'm going to do next and so on and so forth. Yeah. But where, where does Kaizen Muse come from? What's, what's the origin of that? So Kaizen is a Japanese word, um, and essentially it means continuous improvement. So when we were talking before about, you know, the incremental improvements, incremental right. changes, um, it's, it's that sort of philosophy. So it's something that's been used in the business world, um, by the Japanese initially. I think it was actually taken up by Toyota just as a way of looking at the organization and seeing what changes could be made incrementally so that um, people fear responses don't come to the surface because mm. you know you know there's all this talk about change management and all that stuff that's because when change happens people are like whoa like I don't want to change I don't want what are we doing here but these changes are so incremental and they're so small um, that over time you make a bigger change without sort of disrupting the whole system so that's kind of the philosophy um, with the person that I work with is we help them. I help them take such tiny steps forward that their fear response doesn't get triggered. So they don't go into like paralysis mode and they don't say like, I can't do this. I'm getting overwhelmed. It's just about tiny, tiny steps in the right direction. So that um, points at what is often called writer's block. I mean, it can apply in any creative yes. endeavor, but yeah. writer's block, I guess, really is a thing then. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I look at, sometimes I look at a blank piece of, you know, watercolor paper and I'm like, ah, <laughs> I have to remind myself, you know, just like, instead of thinking like, what am I going to do with this piece of paper? I, I just tell myself, just sit down for five minutes and, you know, paint some circles, just put some paint on the paper. It doesn't matter. You're not trying to make anything. And I always end up staying longer than five minutes. Um, <laughs> 
you know, but if I was like, okay, it's not going to count unless I'm here for an hour and I don't like actually make a painting. Um, how often would I get to it? Probably not very much. So yeah, so that's the first, the first part of it. And then the muse part, um, Jill, um, she created nine modern day muses. So the ancient muses from the Greek, Greek mythology, you know, they don't really fit today anymore <laughs> with <laughs> the, the way we live our modern lives. Um, so she came up with these nine muses, uh, and she actually has a book called the, the nine modern day muses and a bodyguard. Um, and it is just things that we can draw upon in different parts of the creative cycle to help move us forward. So for example, one is the bodyguard. So, you know, sometimes when you're feeling like everyone's better than me, I can't do this. Who do I think I am? Or maybe you've received some criticism um, of your work that stings. Um, the bodyguard's really there to sort of shield you and say, you know, I've got it. You just keep doing the work and don't worry about what is happening on the outside. And then there's another, there's another muse called lull. So that's when, you know, you can become creatively overworked for sure. Or maybe there's so much going on in your life that it, it's just, maybe it is time to take a break. Like taking a break is part of the creative cycle. Sometimes you need to take a step back and just sort of let things percolate or, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, like the idea of a fallow field. You have to leave it sometimes. You can't just continuously try to grow crops there forever and ever because you're going to deplete everything out of the, out of the earth. And it's the same thing for us. Um, she's, she's got another muse called audacity because sometimes, mm. you know, as part of creativity, you have to have the audacity to be like, here I am. Here's Go my for stuff. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really cool. So it, it's, it's marrying those two things, you know, giving people those tools from the muses and then also helping them, you know, inch forward. Um, so they're making creative progress. You're reminding me that when we are in that creative zone and if being effectively creative, I think I'll call it that, uh, we are basically breaking through that comfort zone. Because you don't really create in comfort. No. And I, I don't say that to make it sound like it's an uncomfortable process. It isn't. It's just that the things that inspire us, the ideas that inspire us to create something don't come from feeling comfortable. <laughs> no. I, I mean, just quite the opposite, really. They come from the stuff that feels uncomfortable. It's like unfamiliar yeah. or, or just not, you know, something we disagree with or something that uh, we don't like. Or, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. That, And I think that's why a lot of arts in general are on topics that are often kind of unpleasant. I mean, a lot of scenes, mm -hmm. a lot of theater, a lot of all this kind of stuff is based on stuff that, that people don't like. And it's, it's almost like the creative process is a way, first of all, of processing that stuff and finding a way to come to terms with it. And mm -hmm. the creative process is also a way of figuring out what we want instead. I think that part kind of yeah. gets left by the wayside very often, but um, because we live in a world where people are so focused on stuff that they don't like, I mean, that's fairly evident to those of us in, in what we call conscious creator circles, which is what we are around here, uh, that so many people are just focused all the time on all these things they don't like, but they, they have a hard time identifying what they do like. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I was actually, I was on um, uh, another podcast the other day, actually a pretty, pretty major podcast, uh, the Chris Voss show. And we were talking about how 
people can get into a mode or into a space where they can't even think about what what it is that they like in life, what it is that they want. And you can almost trip them up about it. You can say, all right, you know, you have somebody who's, who's ranting on something, right? They're, they're ranting on how terrible the environment is or the president is or the politics or the news or, you know, the war, whatever, any of this stuff. And they'll just go on and on and then they'll get into a loop, right? And then they'll start repeating themselves. And, and if you kind of interrupt that loop and you ask them one question, it, it kind of breaks the cycle for a moment. You ask them, well, what would you like instead? And inevitably, They'll stop for a second and then they'll answer in terms of not having all these things that they were just listening that they don't want. And then you say to them, no, 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 you can't answer in terms of the things that you don't want. You can only answer in terms of what you do want. What do you want instead? And like I observed to to Chris the other day, that's when the synapses start, start snapping because they haven't been thinking that way. That's it's like a major part of the creative process that just kind of gets left by the wayside. So I, I think it's really important that we're talking about creativity because what we're really talking about is tapping into that thing. What do I want instead? And how can I express that? Yeah. And you're I think you're you know, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of. Some of the people that I work with and myself included, when I started, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted instead. I knew I wanted something different. I knew I wanted my life to look different. I wanted creativity somehow. But if you were to ask me what that would look like, you know, what does that look like for you? I wouldn't have been able to give you an answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you I, and you know, a few billion other people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this is it, you know, it can be a, it can be a process. It's a total process to, to flip your thinking. Um, and if I, you know, I, I will say that since I really started like, and I hooked into my own creativity, I'd say it's been about three years now where I've actually been like doing, doing the creativity, not just like wanting to do the creativity, um, that I've realized a, how much power my thoughts have over my mood and my actions mm-hmm. and how much I can ask for what I need. Oh, wow. That's great. And that's not something that I ever, I don't even know how those two things started to come together, but they just did. When I started being more creative, I, I think things just started happening for me um, and I could feel internal shifts. And there just came a point where I was like, I can ask the universe for what I need. I'm allowed to do that. I can ask for this. Um, and that's not a place that I've been before in my life. But I, I would say that creativity has really opened up that pathway for me, like in a big, big way. I think so, we can define creativity. I, mean, yeah. I love the way you're saying that. We could define creativity as giving yourself permission to ask the universe for what you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That really summarizes it. Yeah. I love this. This is good. I, I wasn't <laughs> sure what to expect with this conversation, to be perfectly honest. I mean, creativity? What are you talking about with creativity? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> but this is really cool. This is cool because what this is really doing is it's reminding us what's involved in the creative process of our lives. 
I mean, yes. we're, we're applying it in terms of arts and crafts and music mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But literally, this is about creating our lives. Exactly. Exactly. And then that's, I think that's where the realization hit me was, I think, you know, I got to a point in my life where I was like, am I just going to kind of let life happen to me? Or am I going mm -hmm. to start living my life the way I want to live it? And so that's really what's changed for me is I've started creating my life how I want to live it. And it's coming to fruition. And so instead of all those, like, I don't want this, I don't like this, I don't want that. Um, I just have this like general malaise and I don't know why. Um, I flip that around and I want to help other people do that as well. I mean, it is about creating our lives. There, there, There's always excuses for everything, right? Why we can't do something. Um, but I've really come to learn that, you know, I have huge amounts of gratitude for what I have now, but that doesn't mean that I can't continue to ask and create sure. more things, other things to, oh, actually, to pull my life where, you know, yeah. I want it to go. Gratitude and appreciation are the great way to ask for the next thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like the foundation for once you've laid the foundation with some gratitude and appreciation, that's the perfect time to ask for the next thing. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. You're also reminding me of something else too. I was re referencing my recent experience with a keyboard and there are times where I, I, I have a routine now. I've, I've, which kind of, it kind of uh, goes back to what I was doing when I took piano lessons all those years ago. Uh, I'd start with the scales to kind of get warmed up and so forth. And, and also I was doing them to remind myself how fingering works and because that's an important part of playing a keyboard. Uh, but then after I've, I've done my scales, then I just pick something to try to play. And now bear in mind, it's only been like a couple months that I've been doing this. The first week or so, the first few days that I was doing this, I, I would pull something out and I couldn't play it at all. You know, I, I try to hit keys. I try to figure out what the notes were. Nothing sounded right. I didn't care, which was really good. I was glad I didn't care. If I cared, I probably would have stopped, but I didn't care. I just kept trying to find things. And then after doing it for a few weeks, like I said before, the, Doing the scale stuff, doing the scale type exercises was fun because I was releasing stress. And then once I get to that point in my session where I released enough stress and I kind of warmed myself up, then I would ask myself the question, what do I want to try to play now? And often I didn't know, but what I would do is, well, if I don't know what I want to play now, I'll just go back to something I was playing yesterday. And I'll just see if I can do that a little bit better than I did yesterday. And so I just go back and do that for a bit. And then maybe halfway through, I say, no, I don't want to play that one anymore. I'm going to try something else. And so I try something else. And oh, I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll, let's see if I can remember how chording works. And so I, I try playing with you know, chord combinations and so forth. I was just going where I wanted to go. What, the, what was my mood taking me at that particular time? Yeah. And I mentioned that because that's an essential part of the creative process that I think people kind of overlook. Yeah. And yet the great masters, the, you know, the, the master painters, I mean, we know we, uh, the art history historians have really dug into this in a great, very deep way. They know that, the, that the great artists, they didn't just sit down and paint a masterpiece. They did drawings and preparation and they did different scenes and they, they did all this preparation work to get ready for doing the painting. And then they would actually sketch out the painting before they did the painting. And then they'd paint on the sketch. I mean, it, it, it was a constant play with it, 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 play with it. Yeah. To find well, and you, to you look at these old paintings too, and you know, the, the x-rays and things that they've done with them. 
I mean, paintings were changed too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so these masterpieces that we look at and think, you know, this is perfect. I think sometimes exactly we have this vision that they just, you know, the, the creative muse like, channeled <laughs> into them and they painted it and, it and there it was, but absolutely not. Like they're going through all the same things exactly like you described. Like, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? I'm bored of this. I'm going to try this. What happens if I put this here? They did exactly the same thing. That is the creative process. It's, it's trial and error. It's, it's, this is exactly, um, the words that I use with my clients are go where your intuition leads you. Mm. Take creative detours. So if you sit down with an intention of doing one thing and you're not feeling it, you don't have to do that. Try something different. Go back to what you did the day before, you know, pick up some a completely different medium. If, if that's what you feel like doing, like you're not you're not married to anything. You are creating your own creativity. Yeah, that's really great. We have uh, in our live stream, we have a few people in the live stream. And one of them is an indie artist named Whittington Still, who says creativity and freedom go hand in hand. I love that. But you want to comment on that? Because I think that's important. Yeah, I, I think it, it absolutely is important because creativity is, again, it's so individual and it's so, it, it's, I feel like creativity is like an expression of your soul. And it's, it's also the, I, I like to say it's the, the highest self, uh, form of self care that you can practice. Um, so when you are being creative, you are being absolutely free. You are being as free as you can be when you're being creative because it's all you. All the decisions are yours. Whatever happens that comes from you, it comes from your intuition, your mind, your heart, your soul. Um, and, and I think that's why, you know, a lot of times people don't want to start or they're afraid to start because they think it's all been done before. Or, mm -hmm. or they think, you know, why would I paint, why would I paint a picture of a sunflower? Van Gogh's done it already <laughs> or, or whatever. Right. But what you bring to whatever it is you're doing is so individualized and it's, it's the expression of your particular unique experiences, circumstances, thoughts. Um, and it is complete freedom for you. So it's never, it's never all been done before because you've never been here before and you've never done it before. So that's a great point. Yeah. That's very important. In fact, it also reminds me that the whole idea of freedom and creativity is kind of a prerequisite for life. I mean, you really can't have a truly, what we'd like to call it an abundant life, you know, a life that's, that is full of, all of the things that make life worthwhile, you know, good health, uh, good relationships, you know, money to, to, to do things with, um, you know, the career that you, that you really wanted to have, the hobbies that you enjoy doing, um, all that stuff. It, it, you really need to have everything in order to have an abundant life. In order to have everything in, in your abundant life, you have to feel free to do it. That, that, that's what we're really talking about. We're not talking about somebody having given you permission to be free. It's you giving yourself permission to be free. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and really what that comes down to is giving yourself permission to put something on the paper or into the music or onto the screen or into the, the scene uh, on the stage or whatever that, yeah, maybe it isn't exactly perfect, but who cares? It doesn't yeah. matter. That's not the point. The point is expressing it, not whether it's perfect. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's just making me think freedom is very vulnerable. It is. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I think, I think we all want different kinds of freedom. Um, in different kinds of ways, but honestly, if, if somebody just snapped their fingers right now and said, you're free to do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, I think that that would be a little scary. It is. <laughs> for, it, for most people. it totally is. It and totally creativity is. is a doorway into yeah. that kind of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, once you take that first step and then the second and then the third, then first of all, the fear starts to go away because, you know, the, the monster didn't, didn't get you after all, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then once the monster didn't get you, then you've discovered by entering that realm of freedom, you find levels of self-confidence and creativity. I mean, that's really the general word we use, but it, it's confidence in your own ability to create the world you want to create for yourself yeah. and to know that you really are creating that world. I think that's the other part that we kind of get, I don't know, screwed up with perhaps is we fear like, well, we're, we're just inventing something that is, it's just in our imagination. It doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it, it, it's not real. Everybody knows it isn't real, but it is real. It's very, very real. And mm -hmm. the more we allow ourselves to, to take those freedom steps, you know, those little daring steps of trying to do it. The, first of all, the more real we make it, and then the more real we realize it is. It becomes real to us, and the more it becomes real to us, well, that's the law of attraction. The more it becomes real to you, the more it actually comes into your life. You actually get more of it. You know. Yeah. So if you talk about law of attraction, if you want to learn how to apply law of attraction, be creative. Yeah. Probably Absolutely. the best way to do it. Yeah, creativity begets more creativity. It does. I, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it is <laughs> amazing. It yeah. 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 But yeah, exactly. I mean, I just think about, you know, others have said it before me, probably a lot more eloquently than I'm about to, but we, we remember societies for their, their arts. That's, that's what we remember. Um, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> there, there's obviously some sort of, you know, primal connection that we have mm -hmm. with that creativity that comes from, you know, places far away or different times in history. Um, and don't forget that. So don't minimize what it is that you're creating. You know, I'm saying, you know, do it for the process. Don't worry about, don't worry about what the end product is, but at the same time, also don't worry that nobody's going to care or it doesn't matter because it matters so much. I mean, there, there, there's obviously a reason why, we have this pull to create. And there's a reason why we have such a connection with the arts and creativity. Um, so, I mean, to my mind, it, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just a parallel to the whole universe for me. Mm -hmm. Sure. That that's... Well, I'm reminded of a movie that came out. In, oh, I think it was probably about 10 years ago, a George Clooney movie. Um, called Monuments Men. And it's the story of how at the end of World War II, 
a small team went out to try to save the art that the Nazis had stolen away and hidden away and were threatening to destroy in many cases. And one of the points he makes that the character makes in, in the movie is, well, what will we find the war for if we're not trying to save our civilization? And what's the better example of our civilization than our art? So we got to save the art. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this. So we're, we're saving our, our way of life in a sense. Yeah. And and it was a true statement. It, it's actually one of the few war movies I actually liked. I, I don't usually like war movies, but I like that one. This was cool. Let's go save the art. All right. <laughs> I have never seen that movie. And I was just talking about it yesterday. Is that right? Yeah. That's okay. crazy that you brought it up. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of attraction. I really want to see yeah. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good movie. It's really good. It's got, I mean, like any war movie, it's got some stuff that's, that, you know, heartbreaking and so forth. But I mean, like when, when they discover the, the troves of art hidden away in, in like a salt mine in, in a town in Germany, it's, you, you just, you can feel the joy of it. Yeah. You're just like, Oh, wow. Look what we found. Look what we, yeah. did. look what we have rescued. And then they, they show them returning the art to, you know, where they're originally stolen from and so forth. And, it's so heartwarming. Like, what what you're really doing is you're tapping into the population, or not population? What's the word I'm looking for? The societal? No, that's not it. Um, the species, yeah, the, the species consciousness. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's what that's what the feeling is that you get when you watch this movie. I, if you haven't seen the movie, folks, I thoroughly recommend Monuments. Man, it's a very 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 good movie. Really good. Yeah, I'm watching it yeah. this weekend. There you go. Okay. It's on the bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been great. This has been a good conversation. Um, I want to thank you, first of all, for taking the time to share all these great ideas with us because this has been really, really fruitful. Before you go, though, I want to get some information from you because people should learn more about what you do. And, you know, the, you've got, I know you have courses and books and all that kind of stuff. Tell people how to reach out to you, how to find out more about what you're doing and and there, if there's somebody out there perhaps who's looking to get some coaching to help break through their own creative blocks, you're the woman to do it. So, yeah, tell them how to do it. Sure. Uh, so you can find me online at GinaClarkCreative.com. Uh, and if you go to my website, there is a sign-up form to get a free little um, – uh, it's like a, a workbook, five tips to unlocking your creativity. So it's just five simple things that you can do right now, easy don't need a bunch of supplies or anything to just start getting that creativity flowing. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Gina Clark creative and there's um, information on my website as well about coaching uh, and how you can get in touch with me. That is really good. Well, thank you. This has been really, really interesting, really fascinating. Yeah, I don't great. think we've talked about creativity in quite this way before. Like I said, we haven't had a creative coach on, so to speak um, that I can recall. So that's probably why, but, we, we use the term conscious creation all the time. Literally, that's one of our, our most common terms here. I don't think we've ever talked about what the creation part is. I mean, we talk about in terms of what steps you take to be a conscious creator and so forth, but yeah. what is the creation? We haven't really talked about that. So, hey, thank you. Yeah. You helped to fill a gap. Oh, you're welcome. Of, well, thank you for having me. Yeah. This is, I, I really enjoyed this. Good, good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I know we enjoyed it too. And of course, uh, we wish Debbie uh, continued healing. I'm sure she'll be healed up by uh, next next Friday just fine. But in the meantime, 
we wish her not only the healing, but also, I mean, when you're going through a healing process, there's pain involved. So we, we wish all that to kind of go away and she gets into perfect health very soon. And we hope that Neo finds that perfect landing strip that he's looking for. I think he may have found it. We'll see how that turns out, but uh, we'll, we'll have to ask you to stay tuned to find out more about that. But in the meantime, thank you, Gina Clark, very much for sharing all that you had to share. Thank you to our live stream listeners. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.